Hey, I want to welcome all of you today. My name is Colby. I'm the pastor at Elevate Church. If this is your first time coming, we're in this series called Relationship Goals. Hashtag Relationship Goals. You've probably seen that hashtag on Instagram or on social media. And the idea is you, you see a picture, right? Or you see something that someone's done and you kind of hashtag it Relationship Goals saying that I wish... My relationship was like, like that or looked like that or, or could be like that. And we have a desire to come alongside of your relationships to help strengthen them, to help them grow, to help them thrive, really to be the relationship that God wants for you in your marriage, in your dating life. So it doesn't matter here uh, if you're here and you're married, maybe you're married again, maybe you're, you're single, ready to mingle. I don't know what it is that you walk through these doors as this morning. Um, you're on the prowl, whatever, like you're welcome in this, this series because we're talking about focusing on romantic relationships. We're gonna talk about all kinds of relationships, but we're focusing on our romantic relationships because like we said last week, the quality of your life, the quality of my life is directly connected to our relationships. We all know this to be true. Like, you know, if, if, if things are going great in your relationships, you feel good. You feel, you know, happy, there's joy, there's peace, there's calm, right? When mama's happy, everybody's happy. So you feel good. But when things aren't going so good, you know, you, there's a lot of tension. There can be drama. There can be some pain. There can be hurt because our quality of life is directly tied to our relationships. Now, the good news is that no matter what the landscape of your relationship looks like today, it doesn't have to stay there that it can grow, that it can be better, that God really does want our relationships, our marriage relationships to thrive, not to simply survive. So every week I'm giving you one simple relationship goal to focus on. Last week uh, our goal was togetherness, breaks down walls, and builds patios. And if you're like, what the heck does that mean? I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. But in a nutshell, there are some behaviors that we can do in our relationships that are wall-building behaviors that divide us from one another, that isolate us from each other. There are things that we do that, that divide uh, in, in our relationships, but there are other behaviors that will help us to build patios, and patios are a place of connection. Patios are a place where we come together, where we relate to one another, and so that's really the goal, that we would build patios, this platform for our relationships to grow and to thrive. Today, here's the second relationship goal, if you wanna jot this down. And that is we're going to talk about forming a foundation of faithfulness, faithfulness. Because faithfulness is another keystone uh, element that we all desire in our relationships. If you're in a marriage relationship, you want your marriage, your, your spouse to be faithful in that relationship. If you're in a dating relationship, you want them to be faithful. We all desire faithfulness, even in our family, right? Even in our, our friendships, we want there to be faithfulness in that relationship, which means you and I should be working on becoming that faithful person that's in that relationship as well. But here's the problem in all this. We got trust issues. How many of you got trust issues? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. We got trust issues, and the reason we have trust issues is because we've been hurt. We've, we've, somebody said they were gonna do something, and they didn't, and it's easy for that trust to start to break down in the relationship. I got trust issues. I have trust issues when it comes to otters, like this one. 
Now, I know what you're saying. Colby, why do you have trust issues when it comes to cute little furry woodland? They're actually not woodland creatures, but little creatures. Like, why do you have trust issues? It all started for me back when I was working at SeaWorld, and we would train otters, dolphins, whales, sea lions, all these kinds of things. And the otters, while it looks cute and cuddly, that's not what it looks like right before it bites you. What it looks like right before it bites you is that right there. And if you can see those giant, like, canine things right in the front, I mean, they're, they're massive. And so I was working with this otter, and it was kind of crawling all over me, and I'm, I'm feeding it fish, and they're a little skittish, as you can imagine, and a loud noise happened, or something, anything could happen. You could breathe wrong, and the otter's gonna start to freak out. So this otter freaked out, and it just latched on. Like, wherever it could, it started biting me, biting me. I had to have the thing surgically removed from my body. Not really, but it's... It's a nasty bite. So when it comes to otters, I got trust issues because I've been bitten by one. And the same goes for you and your relationships. Because we are bitten, because we are, are let down, because maybe somebody said something and didn't hold on to their promise, we have some, some trust issues. Somebody said they were gonna do something and they violated uh, that, that, that vow that they made. Or somebody you know, has been lying to you for months, maybe even years. And when that happens, right, it hurts. When that happens, it starts to break down the trust that's in the relationship. And that broken trust is going to impact you in a lot of different ways. It's gonna impact the way that you relate to each other. It's gonna impact whether or not you build walls in those relationships or not. It's gonna impair greatly your relationships moving forward when trust is broken. Maybe it was a friend, that, that violated your trust. Maybe it was a parent, somebody that was close to you that violated your trust. Whatever the case is, when you're hurt like that, uh, you begin to have trust issues. So it begs the question then, how do we rebuild trust that's been broken? How do we rebuild that, that relationship to strengthen it? And maybe some of you, you're here today, you're a married couple, and you went through some stuff. And you've come through on the other side. Maybe you went through infidelity in the relationship. Maybe you went through abuse in the relationship. Maybe it was uh, alcohol or a drug addiction in the relationship. And you could be here today and testify that because of what you went through, your relationship is now stronger than it ever has been before. On that other side of the, the broken trust that's been rebuilt, there's a deeper level and depth to the relationship. But if we're being honest, some of you have gone through that and the relationship didn't survive. Like the stress was too great, the hurt was too great, maybe the pain was too great for it to be repaired, and while God has, has healed you, and maybe you've, you've moved on or have begun to move on in your life, still that broken trust, it hurts. It hurts, and I wanna tell you that no matter where you are today, that that faithfulness can start to rebuild the trust. It's possible to start again. It's possible to start over treating people with, with faithfulness and start to form this foundation of faithfulness in the relationship. Uh, here's the equation of trust. I want you to jot this down. Faithfulness plus time equals trust. It takes time. Trust is built on this foundation of faithfulness over time. In other words, these small promises followed through on, these small actions made, made good on starts to build that faithfulness and begins to build that trust in the relationship. Faithfulness will give you the relationship that you want, and it will help to rebuild, perhaps, a relationship that's been lost. Uh, I'll, I'll, say it, I'll say it this way. It might not uh, rebuild it the way it used to be, but I'm praying and believing in Jesus' name that it can be rebuilt even better 
than it was before. And so I want to talk about faithfulness today. I don't know how many of you are uh, avid Jenga players. Anybody play Jenga? This is kind of the, the backyard kind of set, you know, the big block Jenga set. Does everybody know what Jenga is? Okay, nobody. All right, so we're starting from square one. Cool. Uh, the idea with Jenga is that you have these blocks. You have these three kind of building blocks, and you, you lay a foundation, and then you turn them 90 degrees, and you stack another set of blocks on this foundation. And the goal with Jenga is you kind of build this tower, and you start to remove blocks like one by one. And hopefully, you know, the person that, that uh, you, you remove blocks, it doesn't fall over because the way that you lose in Jenga is as you remove a block, and if you're the last one to remove a block and the whole thing collapses, you lose. And so it's not, it's not good. And I wanna talk about building faithfulness in the context of Jenga. Because faithfulness, how the way we build faithfulness is when we are uh, being faithful in small little actions every single day. Like trust is built as we make these little actions as you say, hey, this is what I'm gonna do, and you do it, you lay a foundation on, the, on this kind of tower of trust that's being built. You say, you know, I'm gonna keep a confidence that somebody told me something in secret, in private, and said, don't share that with anyone. All right, what you're doing is you keep that confidence and you're building a foundation of trust. Jenga's got me winded up here, trying to build this thing. Maybe you promised a friend or a family member that you were gonna do something, and you did it. You followed through, and you started to lay that foundation of trust. And so I don't know if you realize this, but our relationships grow, our relationships thrive, really at the speed of trust. The, the more we trust one another, the higher and higher that this tower can be built. I'll say it this way, that trust really is that, that linchpin, right, that keeps the wheels from falling off the relationship. And as you have trust in your relationship, like you can go together. As you have trust, you can build higher and higher and higher in that relationship. But if you don't, what happens is the building starts to stop. The building project, the trust towers, starts to come to a screeching halt because you said you were gonna do something and you didn't do it. And so now we're kind of at a, a stalemate in building the trust. You said you were gonna follow through, you said you were gonna be somewhere, and you didn't, and so now here we are, and I'm, I'm asking questions, why didn't you follow through? You know, now we're wasting time having more and more conversations, right, and not really accomplishing the goal of building trust. Why weren't you there when you said you were going to be there? And what happens in Jenga is when we start not doing things we were said we're gonna do, it's kinda like you're poking around, and you're looking to, to remove some of the trust some of the, the faithfulness that we built in the relationship. And over time, we start doing that more and more, right? We start to weaken, looking for a loose one over here. Oh, here's one. We start to weaken, right, the, the foundations of the relationship that we are, are building. Now, here's, here's the good news. Like, one, one uh, like unfaithfulness, one kind of mistake, that doesn't knock the whole thing down. The reality is we're all imperfect people, right? We're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes, but here is the key. You better be building more trust than you are removing. You better be building more trust in that relationship. You better be faithful more often than you are removing for that, that trust in order for it to grow, in order for it to thrive. So I wanna talk to you today about how we do that, how we build faithfulness in the relationship. And to set this up, 
I want to use uh, some of Jesus' teaching from Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 5. This is known as the Sermon on the Mount, probably the most famous teaching uh, of Jesus. And he kind of comes onto the scene, and he's blowing everyone's mind. He's saying things like, you've heard it said, and then he would rattle off a commandment. He said, but I say, you know, you do this instead of that. For example, here's what he says in verse 27. He makes this powerful statement. He says, you've heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. Adultery. Adultery would have been something uh, that was defined as having inappropriate sexual relationship with someone who was married to someone else. And so they would understand that. He said, you've heard it said, you don't do that. You don't commit adultery. He says, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. To which many of us would say, what you talking about, Jesus? Like, really? Like, if I just look, if I just look, I've already committed adultery in my heart. Here's the thing you should know about Jesus. Jesus often says things that don't fit into our nice, neat little box. Jesus often will hold us to a, a higher standard than what our culture would dictate is even a standard for us. And so he holds us to the standard because uh, we read that and we go, you know, look, don't even look at someone with lust in your heart, otherwise that's adultery. And we're thinking, how, how do we do that? Let's be honest, in a world where lust is everywhere, it's all over. I can't even imagine, you know, a, a world where lust isn't on every billboard, isn't on every commercial that you see, isn't in all the music, you know, that you hear on the radio. Like, it's everywhere. And Jesus is going, you're not even supposed to look. I think what he's telling us is there's a deeper issue at stake. That when it comes to the issue of adultery and unfaithfulness, right, the deeper issue really is an issue of our heart. And he says, long before someone ends up in someone else's bed, you first allow them into your heart. And so Jesus is saying, hey, we need to move the line. I'm calling you to a different standard because if adultery is the line, what happens is we get up as close to the line as we can, right? And many times we fall over that line. And Jesus is saying, That's, you have the line in the wrong place. You need to move the line. It doesn't begin with adultery. It begins way back here before you fall over into that. It starts with your eyes. It starts with your, your heart. You better guard yourself. Move the line. Move the line. Now you might uh, argue what a lust is. Maybe you have a thought run through your mind and you might think, you know, is that lust? Is that not lust? I would say um, if you have a commercial that runs through your mind or let's say a movie trailer runs through your mind, that's one thing. But if you actually go and buy a ticket and watch the movie, that's another thing, right? Like if you actually play that out in your mind. So I think there, there's a line between what that lust looks like. I have a friend who was a lifeguard and he said uh, working at an at a outdoor water park was kind of like lust on steroids because all it was was these ladies in bikinis all day long. And so what he did to protect himself was he drew a cross on his shoe. And every time he'd see someone, you know, that, that he's like starting to think about, he would look down at his shoe and be like, oh, okay, there you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Right? Just kind of look down, which is, which is brilliant. You know why I love that? Because he's engaging in the battle. He understands that there's a battle for his heart, and so he's guarding his eyes. He understands that if he wants to be in a faithful relationship, that that one day that he's in that faithful relationship doesn't start one day, it starts today. And for some of you, you need to move the line. 
Your line is adultery. Your line is an affair or whatever it is. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You gotta back that thing up. It starts long before that ever happens. You gotta guard your heart, guard your heart. In fact, that's the first principle I want you to write down. You wanna build faithfulness in the relationship, you have to guard your heart. Uh, Someone showed me these memes online of Admiral Akbar, who's that fishy looking dude from Star Wars, all right? He's a guy that, that uh, whenever trouble was coming, he'd be like, it's a trap. You know, that's how Admiral Akbar talks. But there were these memes that were like, you know, he said, and then she said, and Admiral Akbar would kind of pipe in, it's a trap. For example, you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, when she tells you, I don't need anything for Valentine's Day, guys, it's a trap, right? <laughs> don't believe it. In fact, my wife told me, I don't need anything for Valentine's Day. So I got her something for Valentine's Day because I'm a smart man. Uh, When he says, ladies, mind if we just stop by the car dealership? Just want to look. Ladies, it's a trap, right? I just want to test drive. I'm not looking to buy anything. Just want to look. Or when she says, guys, do whatever you want to. It's a trap, right? Especially if she starts that sentence with, I don't care. Do whatever you want to. And if it sounds that way, I don't care. Do whatever you want to. You better find out what you did wrong and then fix it because it's a trap. It's a trap. Here's one more. Ladies, when he says, hey, want a back rub? It's a trap. Don't fall for it, right? It's a trap because back rubs lead to front rubs. That's all I'm saying. We'll talk more about that next week probably. If I still have a job, (laughs) it's a trap. It's a trap. And many of us, we fall into traps easily when we don't guard our hearts. When we're in those places where we're vulnerable, where we're tired, we can easily fall, make bad decisions. And when you think about unfaithfulness, uh, think about um, Jenga again. And one of the reasons I think Jesus says, specifically he talks about adultery, is because adultery is a foundational thing in a marriage relationship. And if you want to be successful in Jenga, you don't start going to poke around the foundation of it. Right? You play a little bit here, play a little bit up here. You don't want to be the one that topples the whole thing over. But adultery is a foundational thing that when, when that happens in a relationship, it's a foundational piece that the whole thing can fall over. Now again, some of you have been gone through that and you've been able to rebuild it. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. There's, there's strength and there's a, a beauty on the other side of that. However, many of us, maybe you haven't. And that thing has crumbled and fallen apart. That's why you have to guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. You have to protect your eyes, you have to understand it starts long before adultery. Like it starts in your heart and people will push back and say, well, it was just a, it was a one night thing. One night started a long time ago when you decided that this was okay. When you decided it was okay for me to entertain this, for me to think through this, you didn't guard your heart. Henry Cloud talks about four corners of connection. He says that in relationships, especially ones that have deteriorated a little bit. We get to this place where there's hardly any connection. He calls it no connection. That's the first corner. No connection is when there's no trust. No connection is when maybe, you know, you don't trust a person enough to open up your heart to them. There's this kind of distance in the relationship. You've, you've built up a wall in the relationship. There's, there's no trust in it. And then it moves to a bad connection. 
And bad connection in the relationship is when you start to really feel used in the relationship, where you only feel like the person is with you in order to get something from you. In other words, you feel like you have to perform in order for the relationship to grow. That you have to perform, you know, and you're only as good as your last performance, which is great for your Uber driver, not so great for a marriage, right? Like it's not so great in that context where you feel constantly like you have to perform, and so that's bad connection. And then the next kind of level is our fake connection. And fake connection is where uh, there's not a real connection there, and then because of the lack of connection, you start looking to other things to feel connected. Because of the lack of connection that you feel at home, you start to look for uh, maybe other outlets. Maybe it's, maybe it's drug abuse or alcohol abuse, or maybe um, it's an escapist kind of activity. In fact, fake connection, when you think about it, that's really what affairs are. It's just a fake connection. Affairs are the relationship without the responsibility. And mean people will kind of dive into an affair because they're thinking it's all the parts in the relationship they want without the things that they don't, they don't want in that moment. And they'll realize later on, hey, that, that, that affair I was engaged in was really just an escape for me. I really wasn't, it was a fake connection. Ultimately, he tells us we need to move to real connection. And real connection is not when um, the relationship is perfect, it's not when everything's great because there's no such thing, right, all the time. It's just when we've guarded our hearts and we've built this foundation of trust with one another because we're all gonna go through seasons, every single one of us in our relationships of no connection, bad connection, or fake connection, but we need to build this trust and guard our hearts to move towards having this real connection where we're open with one another, where we're building the, the tower of trust together. In fact, God tells us that Satan, he's the enemy of our souls. And that I believe he'd love nothing more than to tear down the trust that's been built in the relationship. That he wants to come after, he wants to derail your marriage. He wants to derail your family. He wants to tear it down. And so he starts poking around this thing. And he's like, maybe if I can find a weak spot here where you're vulnerable and I can take that thing out. Then it's, gonna, then it's gonna start to loosen up. It's gonna start to loosen the foundation. Even better yet, if the enemy can come alongside and work on something that's foundational here, like this, then eventually, hopefully, the whole thing can fall over. It can topple. And he wants to tear us down. If I can, if I can help you kind of follow into an affair or fall into a, uh, an adultery or something like that, then the whole thing can fall over. That the enemy wants to attack you and I at the foundation of our trust, so we have to guard our hearts, guard our hearts. In fact, I th when I think about guarding our heart, I think we're wisely aware that this kind of thing can happen to any of us. It's, it's immaturity to believe that you have an immunity to temptation can happen to any of us. It's, it's ignorant to believe that you are above that in your life. Even for me, I'm no better than anyone else. And so I know that if I'm tired or when I'm in those vulnerable kinds of, of states, the enemy wants to, to poke around. And so I have to guard my heart. For me specifically, I'll just be honest, I guard screen time. And I don't get on Facebook. I don't really get on Instagram that much because I don't want to be lured away from anything. And some of you, you need to guard your social media. You need to watch out for those, those moments where you start DMing someone on social media. You know what I'm saying? Like there are people that are in committed relationships and someone starts to DM you or poke you. Is that still a thing on social media? They still poke people on Facebook? Okay, well, one person pokes, okay. 
But what happens is, right, maybe it was no big deal to start with, but then later on, a month goes by, two months goes by, and it's like every day now, hey, what's up? Hey, when can we meet for, for coffee? And eventually you start to allow that fantasy just to play out in your mind, to play out into your heart. You gotta be careful. Watch your DMing, watch your, watch your pokes, right? Be, be careful. Make sure you and I guard our hearts, guard our hearts. Maybe you're in a difficult season in your marriage. Uh, studies show that if you will remain faithful in that hard season, uh, 80% of couples that have gone through a hard season in their marriage, whether it was infidelity, uh, an affair that they, they went through, 80% will say that things are better now than they ever have been before that have endured that hard season. And when asked, like, what, what changed? They said nothing. Time. Time. Small acts of faithfulness built up, started to begin to build that trust again in the relationship. Time and perspective began to change it. Faithfulness We'll give you the relationship that you want. Faithfulness can also help to rebuild a relationship maybe that you've lost. Here's the, here's the second thing I want you to jot down today that helps to form the foundation of faithfulness. Keep small promises, not small secrets. Small promises, not small secrets. Jesus again says this in Matthew 5, verse 33. He says, you've also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. Uh, in this culture, vows were, were becoming this really distorted kind of system of keeping promises. They would say things like, well, I vow on you know, the holy temple that I'm gonna keep this promise. And, and then people knew that that vow kind of held a little bit of weight because it was on the holy temple. Or they'd say, I vow on the city, God's city of Jerusalem. And that one held an even little bit more weight because you know, it was, that was a greater vow to make. It might be like us saying, well, I, I, I vow on, you know, the, the, my, my, the grave of my, you know, so-and-so. That'd be kind of what they would say. And so Jesus comes along and he says, hey, you know, I, you've, you heard that our ancestors said you must not break your vows, but you must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. And then Jesus, again, flips it on him and says, but I say, don't make any vows, don't make any vows. He, he's not saying don't make your marriage vows, don't make promises to one another. Again, it's this really distorted way of saying, I'm gonna do something, and then I don't really have to follow through on it. And so he's not saying that. He says don't make any vows, just a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Say yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond that, he says, is from the evil one. In other words, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But your yes be yes. When you're in a relationship and you say you're gonna be somewhere, I mean, you, you go. And you start to build that trust. When you tell somebody that you're gonna do something for them and you do, you begin to build that foundation of trust again. You tell a family member you're gonna be there for them or keep that confidence, you begin to build that. You keep really small promises and over time, that foundation of faithfulness continues to build. However, keeping small secrets will tear it down. And I think a lot of what happens in our relationship is we begin to keep these small secrets from one another. I have some friends who are in ministry uh, that were in ministry, but they started to keep small secrets from one another. In fact, they were pastors at a church and the church ended up kind of blowing up, falling apart, marriage fell apart, family fell apart, because specifically her decided she was gonna keep some things private. And so she started keeping her phone private. 
not letting them see phone or, or text messages, starting to keep Facebook private, social media accounts private, different passwords, all that, that kind of stuff. And what happened was there just was this separation that continued to grow and to grow and to grow. They kept small secrets. And I don't, this might not work for you, but for us, Kristen has access to everything that I have. My phone, my, my social media accounts, right? Anything that I have, my email, my text messages, she can see it all, she can read it all, sending, receiving, it doesn't, she has me on that, that app, I have her on that app, it's like 360 or whatever it is, that she can see wherever I am, any time of the day, and people hear that and say, man, that sounds confining. You know, that, that, sounds, that sounds like a really, uh, you know, you're kind of stepping over the bounds of, of privacy and the relationship. Can I tell you something? You cannot build both privacy and trust at the same time. It is an impossibility to do. And so you have to keep, keep small promises, not keep small secrets. You gotta build the trust in the relationship. And so for us, we just give access to everything in the relationship. So are you building that trust in the relationship? And what happens when you do that? If a piece falls out, guess what? The whole thing doesn't crumble and fall. It's not like, oh, I can't believe that so-and-so did this. I can't believe that you, that you saw that or that you looked at that. The whole thing doesn't fall over. But now from a standpoint of trust, we see each other in the best light possible because we built that with one another. So keep, keep small promises, not small secrets. Columbia University did a study about lies and secrets, and they concluded in this study uh, that there was something called the secrecy burden. I'm not sure why they needed a study for this. I guess, you know, big revelation, here's what they discovered, is that when you keep secrets, it's a heavy burden on your soul. It's a heavy burden on your soul, and it actually slows down uh, psych you psychologically and emotionally. And that's what happens whenever we live with small secrets in our life, and we have to ask ourselves when we are, why? Like, why am I keeping everything private? Why is it that I'm trying to keep my, my financial situation a secret? Why is it that I have a, a secret credit card? Oh, getting up in somebody's business this morning now, right? Why is it that I have a secret email with a secret account? Why is it that I have secret apps on my phone? Why is it that I, I have a secret password? And I don't, we have to ask ourselves why we are keeping those secrets in recovery. They tell you that you're only as sick as your secrets. And so why are you keeping those secrets? The truth and being honest about things can be a really powerful thing in your life. I would just say for some of you, maybe you need to confess. You need to confess some of what's going on in your life. I don't mean you have to, to broadcast all your dirty laundry to the world. That's what Facebook is for, apparently, right? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you find somebody that you love, that loves you, and you begin to share those secrets that are, are a burden to your soul. And if we wanna be faithful, we have to guard our heart. We gotta keep our word. Hey, let your yes be yes. Say you're gonna be somewhere, you be somewhere. It's not gonna be perfect every time, but let your yes be yes. And then keep small promises not secrets. I found this picture, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Um, there was this guy that was standing in line behind, behind this gentleman at this place, kind of looked like a Sonic or someplace where you drive up, and he said it was about 90 degrees that day. And here's this 80-plus-year-old guy who goes and gets ice cream, and then he goes and kneels by the, the passenger side of his car where his wife is. And she's got a bib on. Obviously, she can't feed herself, and there he is, crouched down 
on this hot day and he's spooning ice cream into her mouth. And he says, what an amazing picture of love. And so he posted this thing and as you can imagine, you know, social media blew up. There's over a million plus views this picture, there's all these comments, all this hashtag relationship goals, all these people's, you know, kind of tagging their, their spouses or the, their, their love relationships saying, hey, you better treat me like this when I'm 80, you know, plus years old. Boy, you better treat me this way. And guys responding, you know, girl, I got you. You know, I'll be there for you, boo, all this kind of stuff. I'm there for you. But somebody responded and they said, uh, they said, this is greatness. He simply said, this is greatness. You know what I think is greatness? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is greatness. Being faithful in little things, and again, you're not gonna be perfect, no one is. But building more faith than you are removing it forms this foundation of trust. It builds the trust towers in your relationships, building Faith, faithfulness is something that you can start now. You don't have to wait. And I don't know, again, what your relationships look like. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you're broken. But I think in faith, if you'll start to rebuild, if you'll start to lay that foundation, you'll start to say, I'm going to be here, and you're there. I promise I'm going to do this, and you do it. I'm never going to do that again, and you don't do it. You start to add layer after layer after layer, and you begin to build trust in the relationship. You can start today. In fact, when I think about this, our faithfulness, this is really the way that God views us. That he is faithful even when we are faithless. That we've kind of poked holes in our relationship with him. That we've gone our own way, that we've done our own things. We've made mistakes, but even in our mistakes, he is still faithful. First John 1, 9 says that if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. He's faithful. Even while we were sinners, right? He, he is faithful. And so it doesn't matter kind of the holes that you've poked in the past in your relationship with God. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It says don't let it di dictate the future of your relationship. Don't let it dictate what's been built. And so for some of us, maybe it just starts, starts there. The Bible tells us there's a, there's a God-shaped hole, right, in all of us that can only be filled with God, and as we allow him to fill that space in our life, he comes inside of our hearts, he makes us new, he transforms us, we begin to build this relationship with him that everything grows from and, and blossoms from, but it starts there. So let's do this, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just in a time of prayer this morning, I just wanna have you create some space. Listen, I know trust has been broken, I know that there's some shattered relationships in this room, but I believe in faith, you begin to rebuild, starting small, laying one brick at a time, being faithful with, with one thing at a time, one small little decision will begin to build that tower of trust in the relationship that you so desperately want, that God so much wants for you. If you'll stop poking around the foundation, looking for different things that today, that can start to be restored and rebuilt. Maybe you need to keep your word. Let your yes be yes. You need to follow through. 
Maybe you need to move the line in your heart because your line has been that thing. And if I don't do that thing, then I'm okay. If I don't have an affair, then I'm okay. If I don't cross that line, then I'm okay. But you understand today, Jesus wants you to move that line. And affairs don't begin with adultery. They begin with your eyes. They begin way back before. So you guard your heart, guard your heart. Maybe you need to put some things in place that will help guard your heart today. Maybe you're here and you need to cross the line of faith. You've never said yes to Jesus. And you understand that everything we talk about really stems from you having this this relationship with God. That God so loved you that he sent his son to die for you. That the greatest love relationship ever was that Jesus would sacrifice his life on the cross for my sin and for your sin so we would not have to pay for it ourselves. And by the blood that he shed, it covers our sin. So when then God looks at us, if we've received that payment, all he sees is his son, Jesus. He doesn't see my guilt. He doesn't see my shame. He doesn't see my mistakes. He doesn't see my sin. He says he's removed it as far as the east is from the west. And for some of you, you just need a fresh start today. And this is why you're here. God's brought you to this moment to surrender your life, to receive that sacrifice, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. The way that we do it is through prayer. We commit our hearts to Jesus. We commit our lives to following him. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that prayer, I'm praying right along with you. I'm gonna surrender my life to Christ today. Would you throw your hand up right now? Be bold, just hold it high. Wherever you are in this room, no one's looking around. Just hold it up high. Say, God, here I am. I give you my heart. I give you my life. This line in my life is moving. And I'm gonna have the line that you wanted me to have. I'm gonna follow you today, Jesus, with everything that I am. If that's you today, pray something like this. You can use your own words. Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could have a a relationship with you, but then also that all my relationships could grow and could thrive. So forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for going my own way today. I trust in your sacrifice that it covers all of that. And for uh, my life, God, I'm gonna believe that you are Lord and Savior and that God raised you from the dead so I could be raised to a new life in you. So take my life, you have it all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on church, celebrate with those today that made the best decision of their life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.